An exclusive interview with Patrick Curry on GateWorld.net. This is David Reed with GateWorld.net. I'm on the phone with Patrick Curry. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm good. Glad to have you with us. Good how aware were you of Stargate before appearing in Season 6's Unnatural Selection? Um, I was pretty aware of the show. Um, I've watched it sporadically when I've uh, had a TV over the last nine years <laughs> or eight years. And I'd auditioned for the show since the very beginning. I think I probably had about 15 auditions before I finally got a role. Really? Yeah. Um, I went out for a lot of stuff and was always shortlisted and, and in consideration, but they always told my agent they wanted to wait for... Um, the perfect episode to use me in. They didn't want to spoil it and have right. it come up for me later. And I'm really glad they did because Fifth turned out to be a great character. Right, right. Uh, how much of your performance was drawn from Daniel Nicolette's performance of Reese in uh, Menace? You know, I actually didn't see Menace intentionally. Really? Yeah, I had seen the replicators just having watched the show in the past in, in their spider-like forms. Uh-huh. And I knew a bit of the history of their... Uh, their culture on the show, and when I did the audition, I hadn't seen Menace, and I didn't know about that episode, so uh-huh. I prepared for the audition, and that was a pretty intense uh, preparation, Right. and once I got the role, I spoke to Andy Makita about it, and he said that he really liked the direction I was going in, and he liked what I was bringing to the character, and I didn't want to taint it or start mimicking someone else, because it's right. really easy to second-guess yourself when you see another actor's performance, Right. so I decided not to watch that episode. Have you seen it uh, since? No, I haven't. Really? Okay. Obviously, the uh, human replicators, they're a step in a different direction from their bug-like counterparts. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there any particular differences the producers wanted to make out in terms of movement or personality characteristics? No, I think you know. I think the casting process on this show is so dead on. Um, I really brought a lot of that physicality to the audition, and they were obviously pleased with it, uh-huh. and then when I met with the other actors on set, and we were all in costume, and the costumes were amazing, Right. they sort of dictated a little bit of the movement for us, they were quite static in the torso, uh-huh. and with the high collars in the neck, uh-huh. they informed a bit of the movement, and you could see a similarity, similarity between all of us um, right. on set already, so I just think it was there for them. Right. Has, has Fit taught you uh, anything in terms of your performance as an actor? Yeah. Actually, it's taught me a lot. Um, like I said, I'd auditioned for the show a lot, uh-huh. and over the last 10 years as an actor, I've auditioned hundreds of times. And you tend to, it's not ideal, but we all fall into a rut sometimes where you start to play particular types, uh-huh. like, you know, the professional, the geek, this different characters. Right. <clears throat> and often that's enough, depending on the size of the role in the show, because you're just serving the script. Right. Um, and I actually fell into that trap when I was preparing for Fifth. I thought, okay, he's the guy who's really young and innocent, and then he gets hurt, and sure, got it. Uh-huh. But something wasn't sitting right with me, and I was like, you know, I'm not feeling like I've nailed this. And I couldn't figure it out, so I called over a, a friend of mine, and we did this scene together. And it was the, uh, the hardest scene was the one with Amanda, when I take her into my mind. Oh, yes. And we have that conversation. Yes. And uh, my friend said, you know, it's good, but it doesn't seem real. He was like, this character seems to me like he needs to be super real. He needs to remind us of what it's like before we learn to play games and pretend. Huh. And I went, oh, that's the key. 
key to this character. And it's not a fun place to go as a as a person to have to be that vulnerable uh-huh. and that simple. And uh, it's challenging as an actor because in the audition it was tough. And then on set it's even tougher. Everyone's standing around in their military gear, plus the crew's there. Right. And your fellow actors, and you have to just maintain this <laughs> this wide-eyed innocence. And it feels a bit, you feel a bit stupid at times. Uh-huh. But that's what the character needed. And it reminded me as an actor that I'm there to serve my character and do exactly what what he needs um, to have a full life on camera. Right, right. And un- an unnatural selection fit almost, it was almost obvious that he was made out to be this ugly duckling because he was the one that was programmed without the flaw. And there was a lot of confrontation between him and First, kind of like a father-son attitude. What, right. did, what did you feel about that? Did you feel that that performance came off well? Yeah, I think he read uh, really well. I think he was definitely the outsider. I mean, I felt it filming it even. Um, Ian Buchanan is such a great actor. Yes. He was so much fun to work with. And um, the father-son relationship was definitely there. I felt like the awkward teenager who's <laughs> sitting at the table with the family and doesn't know if he should speak up because he's probably going to say the wrong thing and he's a bit panicked <laughs> by it. You know, you're so unsure about about uh, everything you do and say. And I really got that sense um, just from working with uh, the other replicators. Right. Great. Uh, tell us about working with Amanda Tapping. Amanda's so great to work with. It's such a such a treat to go into the trailer I've generally worked mostly with Amanda um, on the show and going to the trailer in the morning and just, you know, giving her a big hug and saying good morning and getting that real uh-huh. generosity and, and friendship going on uh-huh. is great. And it carries through into uh, into the characters. It was really easy to fall in love with her as fifth. <laughs> is there a poignant memory you have uh, working with her? Memory. Um, well, it was funny doing the head-to-head thing, uh, <laughs> the, repli- the replicator headbutt at the end of the table for right. <laughs> a natural selection. We were laughing about that quite a bit, just because trying to get the details right with the camera and, and how am I going to do this? And, and she would make funny noises as I was going into her during rehearsal, and, <laughs> and then you try and keep a straight face, and it's like, oh, is she going to do it again? I don't know. <laughs> um, did you prefer playing opposite? Uh, Carter or Replica Carter? They're two definitely different characters. Oh, it's really hard to say. Because <laughs> the relationship, even as Carter, uh-huh. went through so many drastic changes. Uh-huh. Um, I'd have to say Carter. Right. Because we did explore that relationship much more. Okay. Right. Begin in New Order. Yeah. Definitely. The scenes in, uh, in Gemini were just so good. The... Uh, Replicator Carter obviously was playing a double layer, not being completely honest with Fifth. Mm-hmm. And in the end, we figure out what it is. And he's just... It, we, we've, we've seen him betrayed already, and now it's even worse. Yeah. So. Yeah, he, has, he hasn't had a lot of luck with women. <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer playing uh, good guys, bad guys, or someone in between? 
well, I think um, <clears throat> I actually, you know, it's playing the good guy who turns bad is the most fun. Oh, yeah. Going through the evolution. Playing, you never really play a bad guy because bad people don't know they're bad. Okay. If they did, they, they'd have the ability to change their actions. Right. But they don't. They just know that what they need is what they need, and it's the people on the outside who realize that that doesn't work or that it's wrong. Uh-huh. Um, of course, they always realize afterwards what they've done. Like in the moment when um, I choose not to put my hand into Carter's head, uh-huh. that's the moment where I'm just fulfilling my need, and my need is vengeance. Right. She's and I'm, broken and down. I'm realizing that I'm upset, and I'm feeling better because she's crying, because uh-huh. now we're sort of we're sharing that that pain. Yeah. And that's making me feel closer to her. But then it goes one step further, and the good side of uh, Fifth comes back and, and goes, wait a minute, this doesn't feel good now. And that's when he becomes aware of his own um, evil side, mm-hmm. and he chooses to stop. Right. And then he has to go through that whole process to figure out what's next with her. Right. And in the end, he lets her go. In the end, he lets her go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think Fifth is a bad guy? Oh, not at all. Okay. Not at all. He's he's misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's 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 made from he's an alien who's got human DNA now mm-hmm. in his makeup, and he has no one to help him on his journey. Like he's been in the in the initial episode, he's been with these other human form replicators. Uh-huh. Has no other contact. Right. So there's been a limited amount, almost no emotion that he's experienced. Kind of like the blind leading the blind. Yeah. And then Amanda um, Carter comes. Uh-huh. And he feels that first connection. But then she leaves him, and now he's got this, like, fire started inside him. Right. And no one to help contain it and and direct it. They're all basically making fun of him anyway, so that doesn't help. Yeah, exactly. The basic premise of Gemini was that uh, Replica Carter was coming to give the SGC and basically the entire Milky Way advance warning that Fifth was going to come and wipe them all out. Mm-hmm. Would he really have done it? Was he really that angry that he would have destroyed the entire galaxy or tried to rule it? I don't know. I mean, you know, it sort of lends to a lot of... It leads to a lot of questions about what actually happened on the planet after he stopped the time, di- time dilation device. Right. Are those other guys still there? Right. Are they not there? Is he working with them? Uh-huh. Um, there's a whole bunch of different directions that, you know, I don't know if that's the end of Fifth. Uh-huh, right. I don't know if he's, you know, um, when he created Replicator, what did he put in her? Uh-huh. You know, and how much of this um, mission that she's on is really her own? Uh-huh. I mean, I know the scenes are there with, with the two of them conversing and things like that, but it's a science fiction show. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know where it could go. Right. But I don't think... No, I don't think Fifth would have annihilated the, the universe. You think he would have come to the brink of it and then decided, hey, what the heck am I doing? I would like to think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we're lucky, we'll see uh, We'll see that explored in some way. Yes. Gate World reader Dustin would like to know, what did it take for you to not only portray a non-human villain, but one whose intentions have become completely driven by human emotion? Where did you draw on for inspiration? Well, like I said, one of the first things as an actor you have
have to acknowledge that you can't play a villain. Right. So I couldn't see him as being um, evil in any way. Okay. And I guess I would have to draw from my own adolescence, basically. Okay. Um, and then all the things that informed that movies and things that you've watched uh-huh. over time, seeing people go through that awkward, awkward growing up stage. Because that's really what we're watching with Fit. Do you agree with uh, Fit and his rage toward Carter? Do you, do you agree with uh, the agenda from where that stemmed? Did he have a, did he have a right to be angry at, as angry as he was? No, I don't think he had a right to be that angry. Okay. But I can definitely understand where he's coming from. Okay. It's it's not his fault that he doesn't have any experiences to help him uh, figure out what happened. Right. For him, it was really direct. He said, I'll give you something if you give me something. Right. And she said, I promise. Uh-huh. And then she screwed him over. Right. So he doesn't really have any other... He just It's an impulse. Right. It's like you get slapped slap back. That's, that's sort of the way it is. Right. It was a very raw experience, and he had no other input, mm-hmm. except for the other replicators who were just nothing but taking over the universe to begin with. Exactly. You're not really <laughs> going to turn to them for a hug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Tapping, she spent a great deal of time uh, getting into torture mode. My, my buddy Darren was on set at the time, and uh, she introduced to him, and then she said, I gotta, I gotta go off, and I gotta get ready for this scene that right. you two were filming. Um, and in my opinion, it's turned into some of the most potent memories in Stargate history. Um, what did the two of you do to prepare for these difficult scenes? Um, well, when I read the torture scenes, I was pretty excited. Not because uh, I got to torture Amanda, <laughs> but because well, when I was coming back, obviously, <laughs> which was great. Right. Um, but I thought he needed an extreme reaction uh, uh-huh. to, what, to what the Stargate crew did to him. He's taking out every bit of anger he's ever felt, just being directed at her. And they were written really well, and I thought Amanda and I would get together on set and really discuss how, how we were going to get into it. Mm. And as soon as we started blocking the scene... Um, I don't know if your friend Darren told you, but it was a really small set. Okay. That replicator room that we're in okay. is like 10 by 12 feet. Oh. And wow. um, they just remove one wall, uh-huh. and the camera uses that wall as its access point. So the rest of the crew is gone, which is a bit rare. Uh-huh. Just Amanda and I in there. And in the blocking of me being taller than her, walking towards her, and her having nowhere to go, immediately set us both up. We immediately fell into the... The threat was there. Oh, wow. It was, I felt, I started feeling really bad. Uh-huh. So in between, when they called cut, um, I would just sort of touch Amanda's arm or just look her in the eye and just say, you good? And she's like, yeah, fine, good. Okay. Anything you want me to change or anything you want me to do? And and there wasn't anything, but that was her opportunity right. to, to say it to me. And um, yeah, our characters just know each other. We talked about our last moment we saw each other in Unnatural Selection. Uh-huh. Refreshed our memories and sort of like, you done me wrong. And she was like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went for it. Yeah, when that not only the acting was done so superb, and I say that humbly, but oh, the you. photography done in that shot, when she looks into that wall and the metal surface turns into a liquid and she sees her face and you come through there, I had a shiver down my spine. Mm. 
because if he means business and he's going to go after her and there's nothing that she can do about it. Yeah. That was a very powerful moment and you guys executed that brilliantly. Thank you. Gate World reader Sally would like to know if you can tell us if you and Amanda joked in between the torture scenes to alleviate the gravity of the situation or did you guys just keep it serious and make the performance to make the performance more convincing? Like I said, we kind of checked in with one another. Right. Just to make sure that it was good because, you know, I mean, emotionally getting to the place she had to get to is challenging. Mm -hmm. And then you have to remember, we're also at work and there's all these people standing around. Uh -huh. And like your friend Darren said, she said, I have to go off to the right. side get ready. and prepare for this moment. Because, you know, there's 40 people there. Right. Um, generally, when we film together, we do joke around a lot in between the scenes <laughs> um, and have a really good time. Uh, but that day for the torture scene, we pretty much both just walked to our chairs when we had extended breaks and, uh -huh. and were by ourselves. Okay. So to keep it in that frame of mind. Mm hmm Do you believe Fifth truly loved Carter? Or was she just an unlucky lightning rod while he began to explore his humanity? I guess he... I guess she is an unlucky lightning rod because... <laughs> She's the only one uh -huh. that he's he believes he loves her. Uh huh. But he doesn't have anyone else to compare that to. Right. It's the first good feeling he's ever had. Uh huh. And that, that feeling being by itself is being nurtured and growing inside him. So he knows nothing else and for him that's love. Right. Uh it makes a comment that he realized he was superior to his brethren. Uh, do you think the reason that they don't appear subsequently is because he basically annihilated them? Because th there's there's one replicator, human replicator, that we see, and we've never seen him before. And the others are all gone. So either they were sucked into that black hole, or he did something to them, or they're off somewhere else. Oh, you mean the, the replicator who's beamed onto the ship? Uh, that that was the only one that we saw. I'm talking about the others from Unnatural Selection. Right. I think they're gone. Okay. You know, he's at the time dilation device, and he has, like, a, a millisecond on them. Uh-huh. And he's... I think when he turned that machine off, he just exploded and just took them all out. Really? Yeah, because he's so threatened in that last moment when they're all crowding around him in an Unnatural Selection, when the time has slowed down. So you think he'd blow them away? I kind of do. <laughs> they could take it in any direction they want, but I would. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess now that, now that I think of it, that look on his face was like, okay, getting over the she promise mark, now I guess I'm going to have to kill my parents <laughs> because they're not supporting me here. <laughs> yeah, and if they're not going to hurt him, they're at least going to probably maybe stand in his way or he thinks they might. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that would have come in handy before the whole thing started. Get, get them blown away, get it over with, and then leave with uh, leave on board the Prometheus. Too bad he waited. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the dozen or so characters that were introduced at Space Race, Iman was definitely my favorite. Um, did you find anything appealing about this guy who built garbage dumpsters for the food service division? You know, I loved Iman. <laughs> he was so much... So much fun. It was my first time in prosthetics. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I had, Originally, they had asked me to come in and play the role of Warwick. Oh, okay. And I declined because it was 
such a heavy role. Um, really? Just in terms of screen time. And <clears throat> and um, Dion had already played him. Right. I believe it was Dion. Yeah, Dion played him. And I wasn't sure that I could handle a prosthetic because I'd heard some horror stories from friends of mine okay. um, who'd done prosthetics in other shows. And um, I said, you know what, I don't think I have enough experience under my belt to take on such a, a large role because I don't want to let you guys down. Okay. And they came back and said, well, we'd love it if you take the secondary character and play his brother. Uh-huh. And I said, <laughs> sure, let's give it a try. And it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because like, Warwick was already established. Right. But even I had, I had free reign. Yeah, he's and a blank slate. I wanted to have fun with him. You know, I watched a lot of science, like as a kid, watched a lot of TV, saw lots of aliens. Uh-huh. And I wanted to do something a little different. So I, I got into the makeup, and the makeup crew on that show is so phenomenal. Um, they, they take such good care of actors when you're in heavy prosthetics. Uh-huh. And I had this lizard-like face on. Right. Huge contacts the costume and and I wanted to make what I wanted to come through with the <laughs> he's the bratty little brother he's so <laughs> tired of hearing his older brother getting all the accolades and and, and just a little bitter uh-huh. and mad and so I did that and I played it up quite large <clears throat> to see how, how much I could push the, the makeup and I was really happy with the end result <laughs> yeah well uh, work disappeared for a few that must have put Eamon on the map. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and now he's now he's back to his old position. Would you come back come back and uh, play Eamon if it was required? Um, absolutely. Okay. I Great. would if it was the same makeup crew. Okay. Yeah, because Todd Masters and, and Michelle Lemieux were my makeup people on that one. Okay. And they just made it so easy. But I can see how someone could have a bad experience with prosthetics if you're not if they're not done well. Right, right. It can be almost painful, I imagine. It is. I mean, that stuff is glued to every muscle on your face so that you have tons of movement. Uh-huh. And, and all your expressions really come through. You have to work a little harder so your face is tired at the end of the day. But Right, right, so they come out. Yeah. Dion Johnstone was unavailable to play Chaka in Enemy Mine. Were you encouraged to take the character in a totally new direction? Or were you asked to emulate Johnstone's performance to a degree? You know, we filmed Space Race first. Right. And then Enemy Mine started, I think I had one day in between them. Oh. So I didn't even, um, I'd I'd met with Peter DeLuise before filming Space Race, and then we didn't have any contact while I was working on that one. Okay. And then we had a phone conversation the day before filming, and then Uh the day of filming, it was 7 o'clock in the morning, I got the full uh, Chaka makeup on, and Peter comes up to me on set, and he's like, okay, let's talk about this character and how I want you to play him. And he was amazing. He walked me through the physicality that he saw for Chaka. He never said, I want you to be Dion. Okay. But I know I knew that there was uh, some, you know, some big footsteps to fill. Right. right. And, and uh, Peter really made that easy for me. Um, it's, it's following Dion's lead, and then and then doing my own thing with it. Right. Peter originally uh, created the role, so that must have been very gratifying to have him there. It was. It's so nice when you can trust your director 100%. Right. Were you happy with how that uh, show turned out? I was. 
Yeah, it was a. That was really challenging. Those prosthetics are incredible. Right. Um, it's hot, and you have full prosthetic body wear as well as the head and the contacts. And one of my contacts split while we were filming. Ah. And uh, again, the the crew was great. Um, the makeup crew ran around during the lunch and found another one because they're all custom made. Okay. Got me another one. Um, people have to take care of you. You can't do anything. Um, can't eat. You can't even go to the bathroom by yourself. You have to have <laughs> two assistants <laughs> with you at all times. <laughs> After um, Iman and Chaka, uh, what what are your feelings now on the makeup process? Is it as daunting as uh, some of your friends have said? Um, not as bad as they made it sound, but I can see with the wrong people how it could go bad. Right. You really can't eat. Um, when I was doing Chaka, my, uh, the makeup person who took care of me was uh, this girl named Lise. Uh -huh. And she had to, between each take, come and take out my fake teeth. Uh -huh. And so she has my, my drool on her hands. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, here you go. And she takes out the teeth. And then I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'll tie your coat behind you and point you in the right direction. <laughs> you know, so... You have to be a good sport about it. You have right. people around you. You have to be able to trust them. Um, but I would definitely do it again. And in that entire process, you're trying to trying to bring yourself down to the level of an Unas. Exactly. So, did you like, here's all of these things, and now act. Yeah, and now <laughs> act this out. Did you watch the other Unas episodes, or did you jump into it like you did uh, with, uh, with Ben? No, I watched the, the Unas. Um, I watched both of Dion's as Warwick okay. and uh, Chaka. Okay. Um, which was it? I saw Beast of Burden and... Beast oh, of Burden and the first ones. The first one. That's the one that I, I watched most closely. Okay. That was He's when great. Chaka was He's great in that. Right. Regrettably, um, Jim and I might have been Fitz's final appearance. Uh, in your honest opinion, was it a fitting end, or do you feel that you were cheated of his script? Well, I like to hold out hope that it's never over. Right. And um, if that is where it ends, I I can't say I feel cheated. I did get to bring him to life in three episodes. Uh-huh. And we did get to explore a full relationship with Carter. I think it would be exciting to uh, explore that relationship further mm -hmm. with him and Replica Carter now mm -hmm. and, and, and see where that goes play him really evil and have them work together to <clears throat> to come back. But they really have to focus on their core cast. Right. You know, and I understand that. And Fifth was a great character to give um, Samantha and Amanda uh, some acting challenges. Uh -huh. Her getting to play uh, two Carters was, I'm sure, a blast for her. <laughs> and uh, so I think he served he served the show well. And I would like to see him come back if if they can figure out a way to do that. That's believable. Right. With the ninth season now, the sky's the limit. Exactly. Gate World Bridger Denise would like uh, to know, do you believe there's any chance at all that Fifth survived? I think so. Okay. I think I think they can bring him back if they if they want to. He okay. is a replicator. Right, right. He could have transferred his subconscious along the uh, subspace link. Exactly. Before it was, 
know, I, I spoke with Michael Adamsquade about this. You never see them die. No. Yeah, you never watch the villains die. A couple of times, like in the tomb, but other than that, not really. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a reason behind that. Yeah, I guess they just don't ever want to close the door fully. Right. Are you open to appearing on Stargate Atlantis? Yeah, that would be great. I've been so wrapped up in Stargate SG-1 that um, it hasn't even come across my agent's desk for me at this point. I guess, obviously, I mean, I would love to be on the show, period, for, right. to play whatever character okay. I have. But I guess right now they just don't want... I don't know if they can cross over my face into another show. Okay. Well, <laughs> a couple point. of uh, folks have already done it. Um, the uh, uh, gentleman who played... Uh, Nareen also played Simon, and there was no prosthetics uh, behind that. Mm. So I imagine they could pull it off. Yeah, I'd totally be into it. Would you be interested in playing an alien or perhaps a more permanent role as maybe even a human on the base? The aliens are so much fun. (laughs) But you're right, um, a human on the base is a steady job. I would be, yeah. Okay, great. Um, Gate World reader Karina would like to know, have you ever been invited to appear at a Stargate convention? And if not, would you accept the invitation? I'm actually going to be doing a Stargate convention in February. Okay. In London, England. Ah. At the Heathrow, somewhere in Heathrow okay. Hotel. Heathrow Thistle, I think it's called. Okay. Um, it's, it's a Wolf production, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. Great. Um, for Are you excited? I'm really excited. Is there any horror stories that you've heard about that that you're hoping to, to denounce? You know what? I don't want to hear any horror stories because I don't want to taint the experience. Right. You get, you get what you put into it. Right. So I'm going to go there with a positive attitude and be excited to talk to all these people who are so excited about the show and about my characters and my work. Right. And and just have a good time. Right. Because they that, that's really the whole point of the convention. They really want to share that experience with you. Definitely look forward to uh, seeing you get up on the stage there, and hopefully there won't be too many horror stories. <laughs> hope not. <laughs> Patrick, thanks a lot for talking with us. We sure hope we hear from you again in the future. Me too. GateWorld.net, your complete guide to Stargate.